Okay, yeah. Uh, it's really wonderful to be back. It's almost uh, uh, beyond uh, description and words. Um, and I uh, appreciate the chizik for the Eilam coming to learn on, uh, on a busy uh, Sunday morning. Of course, our learning today is sponsored by Eloi Nishmas, Reb Yitzhak, Reb David. Baruch Bendit. And uh, we wish uh, Dr. Diamond for all of his askonis that the Nisham should have an aliyah, me and for the entire mishpacha. Um, of course, one of the defining qualities of Avram Avinu, as we're told by the Mishnah Misech the Service, is that he has an ayin toiva, a good eye, which means that he is happy with what he has, his tapkus bimuat, and doesn't begrudge anyone who, who might have more than him. And the Bartanura writes that this is derived from Avram Avinu's conduct in this week's parasha when the king of Sodom offers him the riches after their battle with the kings, where Avram Avinu, of course, played a pivotal role in securing the victory. Uh, Avram Avinu refuses any of the gifts. He said, no, I'm happy with what I have. I'm not interested in any of the uh, loot that perhaps you, you, uh, you acquired uh, during the war. Even though he should have been entitled to it, he refused to take it because he was happy with that which he had, which is, def- which is what is implied by having an ayin toiva. Of course, the opposite of that is an ayin hara. It's a person who sees someone else who has more than them and uh, either you know is jealous of them, uh, or feels you know particularly if uh, even if they're not jealous, but they're surprised that this individual has more than them, particularly when they see themselves as being more worthy than that um, other individual, and therefore they're surprised that this individual, for some reason, you know has has more than them. And we find this playing out in this week's parsha as uh, Sarah gives Hagar her uh, maidservant Havamavino in order to have children, and she becomes pregnant right away, and Hagar. Uh, therefore, you know, uh, looks down upon Sarah, and her um, uh, her esteem has been uh, minimized in her eyes. However, the pasuk uh, Rashi quotes from Chazal that because Sarah was so disturbed by Hagar's attitude upon becoming pregnant, she um, somehow, whether intentionally or unintentionally, created a situation of nine hara, and um, Hagar miscarried that first pregnancy. That's why the Torah goes on a few psukim later and tells us that the Malach informed her, that now you are pregnant, not for the first time. She already knew she was pregnant once. What it means is, even though she miscarried the first time, now she would become pregnant again, and it was that pregnancy that, of course, resulted uh, in Yishmael. But that was a result of the fact that she miscarried the first time because of an eye in Harah that was created by Sarah upon seeing that Hagar got pregnant right away and she was experiencing such difficulty. Later on, in next week's parasha as well, when uh, Sarah finally, you know, she has Yitzchak and she sees that Yitzchak and Yishmael are not interacting in a positive way, she encourages Avram Avinu to uh, be Megarish, to evict um, Hagar and Yishmael from the home. Um, and the Pasuk tells us that Hagar had to carry Yishmael on her shoulder. Um, so why did she have to carry Yishmael on her shoulder? Yishmael at this point was already, you know, uh, either uh, an older adolescent or, or a young adult. Why was she carrying him on her shoulder? So Rashi explains in the name of Chazal that it's because she gave him uh, an ayin hara. You know, that uh, for, for whatever reason, the way he was interacting with, Yishua, with uh, Yitzchak, um, you know, that also created a situation um, of an ayin hara. So we already find, you know, that the opposite of an ayin toiva, which is what was embodied by Avram Avinu, is, you know, a person is, is, is happy with what he has and doesn't begrudge anyone who has more. An ayin hara is just the opposite. is when a person sees someone else who has more and he's either just, you know, is jealous of it or just surprised by it that this individual who he perceives as less worthy than himself should have, should have more. And this, uh, the, the damage that can be caused by an ayin hara, and the very notion of an ayin hara is pervasive throughout Chazal. I mean, there's so many instances, it's almost 
too many to fit on two sides of a page or even on you know, four sides of a page. The number of times Chazal referenced this, or certainly the Rishayim and Achorinim referenced this notion um, of an Ayin Hara. But so much, so pervasive is this um, notion of Ayin Hara that the Gemara says in Masechus Bar Metziah that Rav visited the Beis HaKvaris and he spoke to the Mason as to what caused their death and 99% of them was as a result of Ayin Hara. All other sicknesses are predicated upon an ayin hara. That's what the Gemara in Bab Metziah comes in the post in Parshas Eikev, Heiser Hashem Em Chok Kol Choyli, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from us all sickness. Why sickness in Lashon Yachid? There are many different sicknesses, many different illnesses. Why are they all reduced to one Choyli? Because everything, all sicknesses, are really predicated upon ayin uh, hara. And ayin hara really preceded, and that's why, you know, 99% of the people in the Beisach Forest, Rav was able to communicate with them, indicated that they were there because of ayin hara. And ayin hara actually preceded all other sicknesses. The Maral, back in Oiz Gimel, on the sheet discussing the Ayin Hara that Sarah gave uh, to Yishmael as they were leaving the home, so the, um, the Mizrahi asked on that Rashi, how could it be that Sarah created a, a situation of Ayin Hara that disabled Yishmael? He wasn't able to walk, he was sick, um, you know, and therefore Hagar had to carry him. But the Gemara says in Bometziah that until Yaakov Avinu lo havechulsha, there was no sickness. Yaakov Avinu davin that there should be sickness, um, Avram Avinu Avram, they should be old age, so they should be able to tell the difference between Avram and Yitzchak. People were confusing them, so Avram Avinu asked, you know, let me at least be, you know, identifiable. I mean, let, let it be, you know, obvious that I'm the older one and he's the younger one. Um, but until the time of Yaakov Avinu, there was no sickness. Yaakov Avinu, recognizing the importance of knowing when the end is near, so he could command his children and instruct him about how he wanted his estate carried out, you know, lessons for life. So he asked that there be chulshah, there be this indication that, you know, that, that his time is coming. So that's why, uh, th- that, that, um, reality of sickness only came into existence at the time of Yaakov Avinu. So therefore, they asked the Mizrahi, how could it be that Sarah uh, affected Yishma with an ayin hara and he wasn't able to walk? This is before Yaakov Avinu even. How could it be that there was sickness already at this time? So the Mizrahi explains, there was no sickness, but this, an ayin hara, is like a person hitting someone else in the nose. He's going he's to get a bloody nose. If someone would take a knife and stab someone else, of course he's going to bleed. That was even before Yaakov Avinu. Uh, you know, that, that existed. Right? Uh, Cain killed Hevel. That was way before Yaakov, you know, even though it wasn't sickness, that was murder. But we understand that that should apply even if it was just a minor injury. Of course, there were injuries before, before Yaakov, you know, what it means is sickness, you know, in the way that we know it didn't exist. But, of course, you know, this existed. And this reality, you know, that, that uh, Avayin Hara is something that can cause damage and really uh, is the, preceded even all other sicknesses. And perhaps all other sicknesses are predicated upon the existence uh, of Ayin Hara. And Ayin Hara is not just a Indian in Machshava, certainly plays out the um, Halacha as well. For example, Rashi quotes at the beginning of Parashas Kisisa that one is not allowed uh, from Chazal based on the Pasuk that uh, they were commanded to count Klal Yisrael with a machzis hasheka, lest they count them directly. If you'll count Klal Yisrael directly, you'll create a situation of Ayin Hara, and a um, plague could result. Shaminyan shaylid by Ayin Hara, adever ba'aleim. Says Rashi, if you're going to count them directly, that could lead to an Ayin Hara. We'll see what great numbers Klal Yisrael is in, prodigious, and people will discuss it. Might create a situation of jealousy or surprise that Klal Yisrael has reached this kind of a population, and it will create a situation of Ayin Hara, which could be dangerous. And therefore, the Gemara says in Mesechus Yuma, even for a Dvar Mitzvah, even you're counting up for a minion, where usually we say, when it comes to Ayin Hara, it is so dangerous, it's like Shkia Chazeka, even though usually at the Bar Mitzvah you're protected, when it comes to Ayin Hara, even if a person is Isaac uh, in the Dvar Mitzvah, he has to be concerned with the issue uh, of Ayin Hara. So this is accepted, you know, even Lahalacha. The Gemara in Baba Basra applies this as well to two, different na- to two neighbors who are living side by side. 
So the Gemara at the beginning of Baba Basra discusses is there a, a concept called Hezek Re'iyah. I'm watching you in your backyard, so I'm, I'm inhibiting you. I'm making you, you know, uh, discouraged from using your yard to the fullest extent because I'm watching you, um, and, and, and therefore, you know, that's kind of, I'm creating a situation of damages because I'm, I'm limiting your access to your yard by the fact that I'm, I'm keeping, you know, I'm watching everything that, that you do. And therefore, the mission discusses that you have to build on certain circumstances a wall between the two properties in order to make sure that neither one is inhibiting, is preventing the other one from making full use of their yard. And that wall, of course, has to be, you know, like seven feet tall, so you can't see across from either end. What if he built a second story? Ah, oh, so, so many sugars at the beginning of Baba Basra. So Gemara, though, says in Baba Basra that uh, with regards to a field where people are planting stuff in between, you also have to build a wall in between the two properties. But then the Gemara says it's not only because you might not be, you know, you might not be, you know, feel comfortable doing private activities in your garden, um, because someone else is watching you, but there's another issue at play, which is the issue of ayin hara, is that if I'm going to see your garden growing, and you're growing tomatoes, you're growing corn, or you're growing some other kind of produce, and I say, wow, his crops are really growing well, look at mine, they're not growing as well, what did he do deserve, you know what, you know what I do, you know what he does, why him, why not me, it could create a situation of ayin hara, so therefore the Gemara says you have to build a wall for a second reason, uh, with regards to a gina, more than just a chatzah, that I'm, uh, you might be discouraged from using your chatzah the fullest because someone else is watching you. Here, you're not allowed to watch someone else's field while it's growing. In order that you not come to damage him um, through ayin hara. Because if I'm watching him while his uh, produce is growing, that could create that kind of uh, a situation. Um, therefore, the Marakor Zerua says when a person is earning his parnasa, he shouldn't flash around how much he's earning because someone else is going to see it, right? We're not, uh, most of us are not farmers, so we don't have, you know, Sada Bekoi Meisea. Certainly people have portfolios, they have, uh, they, have, they have their own businesses, their own asakim, and a person should be careful not to count the money of others. That's a real Indian, because if you do that, you create a situation, we shouldn't look to do it, and people shouldn't offer that, that, uh, that, that opportunity, because it creates a situation of Ayin Hara. Therefore, the Gemara says in Sochim, that a person who does business in large quantities, where it's obvious to everyone, you know, what's, what's going on, is a somewhat of a dangerous situation. He's not going to see a simibracha. Since the, he was selling big jugs, so it looks like he's selling so much, even though, as we know, you know, from a lot of times you sell very big things, the lavdafka, that the, 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 the profit margin is so great. It can be made out of plastic, made in China, whatever it is. So, but people don't know. So they see you, uh, every Halamoi trip you go and you see a guy making money, like, ah, oh, this guy's m- m- must be making a killing. So that kind of a situation creates, uh, you know, creates an ayin hara. And therefore, as we know, the Gemara tells us about Metziah, and Bezim and Aleph, ein habrochem, commenting in the post, comparison Kisavoy, of Yitzhav Hashem as Yitzchah as Habracha Ba'asomecha Kodesh Baruch Hu should give you bracha in your barns Ein Habracha Metsuya B'davar She'ein Ha'ayin Sholetas Boy that a bracha can only be found where it is hidden from the eye meaning that there's no situation of Ayin Harav if there is that could cause uh, a great danger so much so as we know the Medrash tells us Medrash Tanchum Parashas Kisisa that the first set of luchos were broken for nothing less than Ayin Harav because they were given with such fanfare and such publicity that, uh, you know, people with Makane or Klai Yisrael, you know, created a situation of kinah between the Umos and the Reba- and, uh, you know, and, and Klai Yisrael, and that led to the breaking of the first set of Luchos. That's why the second set of Luchos, Kodesh Baruch Hu commanded Meshach Rabbeinu, Psal Lecha, you should make it for yourself, Ein Lecha Dava Yafim and Atzniyos, make it in private, don't, and Kodesh Baruch Hu did not give the uh, second set of Luchos with the same fanfare that we received, um, we received the first set of Luchos. Okay, so, you know, it's a dangerous thing, and we know how it plays out, Halacha Lomaisa, even in Shochan Aruch, though, 
the topic appears not just in Hilchah Shreinim or in counting um, uh, people, but of course this, uh, we have this plays out in Shul all the time, as we all know. You're not supposed to give an aliyah. It says in Shulchan Aruch over here, you're not supposed to give an aliyah to a father and a son, one right after the other. Um, even for people who are not necessarily concerned about it, even though it's mutter meikar din, we don't do it because of ayin hara. Creates a situation of ayin hara. The people are saying, why are they having? Uh, why are they getting all the aliyahs? What did this family do to deserve, you know, all of that? I guess if it's hyphenated by other people, then people say oh, it's not necessarily obvious that this family is getting all the aliyahs. But uh, you know, if uh, if it comes in a row in succession, people say, well, why is this family deserving? You know what I do? You know what they do? Why should they necessarily deserve all the aliyahs? So that it creates a situation of ayin hara. The Ramah quotes it: We just shouldn't make birchas chasanim, even though it's not a problem of ema arv and simcha besimcha to have one shevar brachas for two couples. Two weddings that overlap with the Shevard Brachas could create a situation of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha B'Simcha, but one Shevard Brachas for two couples, ironically, is not Ein Ma'arvin Simcha B'Simcha, but we don't do it, says the Ramah, because of a situation of Ein Hara. That's why, of course, as we all know, the Matt Ephraim says that when we say Yisker, the uh, people who, Brach Hashem, uh, you know, Zaychet still have two parents, they leave the room. Mount Ephraim says we do that because of, uh, of Ayin Hara. We have so many practices because of Ayin Hara. That's all the Tzavos, Rabbi Huda Chazid, that everyone knows. That we don't name two children the same name. Uh, we don't uh, name a father. We at least have the meaning not to name a father after a, a, a son, after a father who's still alive. All of these kinds of things have to do with we close the eyes of the mace after he passes away. So all of these things have to do with Ayin Hara. This is uh, pervasive throughout uh, Jewish thought, throughout Chazal. The pro- that's why it's surprising. Right? We, we're well acquainted with the topic of Ayin Hara. That that's why it's surprising that the Rambam writes in a tshuva to the Chachmei Lunil. Turn the page over here. That's one of the commentaries in the Rambam, where he cites a, Rambam, uh, a tshuva that the Rambam wrote to the Chachmei Lunil because the Rambam omitted that entire halach of Hezek Re'iyah that's, um, that's related to Ayin Hara. Again, we said, if you have two fields that are adjacent to one another, you have to build sometimes a wall between them in order so that everybody should feel comfortable using their courtyard to the fullest. Even doing private activities there, sunbathing there, hanging out the laundry, playing with their kids. If someone else is watching me, I'm going to feel intimidated. So you have to sometimes build a wall uh, between the two properties to allow everyone to have their, their proper privacy. But in the Gina, we said there's another halacha, and that is that uh, you're not allowed to wash someone else's field while it's growing because it could create a situation of ayin hara. The Ramam omitted that entirely. So the Chach Megunil asked him, how could you omit that halacha entirely? So the Ramam says, well, you're concerned with ayin abisha, with ayin hara? Elu divrei chasidus heim. This is a, you know, a holy union, not me'ikar adin, shloi ayin bo ayin hara. Meaning the Ramam is not taking it seriously when he calls it Divrei Chasidus. He doesn't mean to praise it. He means to minimize it. When the Gemara raised this in the course of the discussion about the reasons you have to build a wall between two properties, and the Gemara said, well, in Agina, forget about Ayin Hezek Re'iyah, that I'm intimidating you from using your property for private activities. In Agina, you have the other issue of Ayin Hara. The Gemara meant that as kind of a throwaway line, but it wasn't meant to be taken uh, seriously. And many have understood this Rambam in line, it, it's consistent with the Rambam's perspectives on many things, that when it's not, uh, when it's kind of mystical or magical, or something that's beyond that which is quantifiable through scientific uh, methods, the Rambam is not very, uh, you know, it doesn't really endorse it. The Rambam doesn't believe that there's any kind of kishuf, there's no special powers that exist, all miracles, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the miracles that occurred to Yitzhak Mitzrayim were already embedded within the Bria at the time of Kriya you know, Sa'ilam. So for the Rambam, there really is no... Uh, divergence at all 
from the rules of nature. So it's not surprising. That's why the Ramah rejects Shadim and all the you know kind of other heebie-jeebie issues that that, uh, that Chazal deal with. Um, and so it's not surprising that the Ramah should reject you know Ayin Hara as well. What it is a little bit different in that Ayin Hara is so pervasive; it's everywhere. So it's really hard to accept, even though we're familiar with the Rambam and we get the Rambam, we understand, and we know that he's in context and there are many others who disagree on many of these issues, on the more mystical side and the heebie-jeebie issues that, that, that you know, Gilgulim and Shadim and all of that, which Rambam's not really comfortable with. So we're used to the Rambam in this, but, but when it comes to Ayn Hara, it's a little bit more difficult to swallow because there are so many things that are predicated upon Ayn Hara, it's, it's hard to really justify the Rambam would reject um, the whole notion. So what's going over here, on over here in the Rambam? So, I believe we could suggest for Ramam the following, and that is we really need to peel back a little bit and understand how does Ayin Hara work? How does this create a situation of damaging or dangerous uh, situation? So what is it based upon? So Chaim HaKadosh has one approach in Parashas Balak, where of course Bilam tried to curse Klal Yisrael with his, uh, you know, with his uh, Ayin Hara. And I think it's similar to what the Marashah writes himself as Brochus, and that is that uh, Ayin Hara is a kind of Klala. It's a kind of, you know, a curse. I say, why do you have that? And I don't. And in that process, I'm basically, you know, kind of cursing you and saying, you don't really deserve that. And, you know, and, and pointing out the fact that you're not entitled to that. And that's kind of a curse. I mean, the other side of the coin of a bracha. I give you a bracha. You know, I hope that you succeed. I'm, you know, kind of upset that you haven't succeeded, you know, so, you know thus far in this or this area. And I give you a bracha that you should have a tzalacha b'chol yonim. So, ayin uh, is a kind of a klala. It's like a curse that you should not have as much hasloch as you've had thus far. How does a curse work in general? So maybe it's just the same way we accept how brachas work. How does a bracha work from itself? It's a very deep Indian, but however it works, it works. So, so too, a klolo works, you know, by the same mechanism. That's what Marashah kind of says. Just like we all understand, Altei birchas hedjot, kalabay necha, we take every bracha seriously, so you have to take every altei, you know, kililos, hedjot, kalabay necha, and a uh, form of a klal is an ayin hara. The Rechaim HaKadosh takes a little bit, you know, goes uh, a little bit, uh, gets more into the weeds a little bit. And the Rechaim HaKadosh claims, I know that everyone, and I think it's really the same kind of approach, perhaps, you know, two different uh, flavors of the same approach, but the Rechaim HaKadosh says, now everyone has a virus that a Kaddish Baruch Hu overlooks temporarily, right? A Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't exact punishment immediately, you know, cash in on or, you know, a collected debt every time we do an Avera. That's you give me this Harachim. My Kodesh Baruch is Erech HaPayim, Barach Chesed. He's uh, slow to anger. So many times we have things that are on our Cheshbin that haven't come, the bill hasn't come due yet. What an Ayin Harad does is it provokes the Rebbeinah Shalom and, you know, kind of puts like, a, you know, a spotlight on our Averas and says, hey, why is this guy getting this, you know, and, and I don't have it and he has it, he's not deserving of it. So it reminds, and the Rebbeinah Shalom says, ah, you know, he's talking about deserving of it because look at all the things that he did. And it encourages HaKadosh Baruch Hu to kind of cash in on, you know, collect the debts that were due uh, all along instead of kind of overlooking it. Okay, all we did was kick the can down the road, down the, few, you know, yeah, theological, philosophical road, but okay. However, we understand these kinds of, you know, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is slow to anger and then all of a sudden, you know, there are certain things that are, that, you know, are... are uh, 
that are mekatreg, there are certain things that serve as kind of like, as a, you know, a prosecutor against us, and kategor, there are certain things that are worth the rebanish of that we're not deserving of things. You walk into the Kaisha Kadosh and wearing gold, it reminds the rebanish of the Chetorega. Well, Hashem needs a reminder, he forgot about it. It's, uh, you know, it, whatever reason, arouses the anger of a Kaddish Baruch. So when someone else is shining a spotlight saying they, you know, that this is, this is unjust, it's not fair, so that kind of provokes the rebanish works too? It reminds the I don't think so, no. No. I don't think, at this, the Archaim is kind of ditching the bracha approach. The Marashah says it works the same way as a bracha and a klala. So that's why I say they're really not exactly the same, but it's really just, you know, kind of someone else alerting the Rebbein or or, or, or or prompting the Rebbein to give you a bracha. That's a pretty rational approach to brachas. We would hope that a bracha works beyond, even though I'm not deserving, the bracha of a tzadik can somehow help me. Right, so the Mashiach says, even so, okay, so then a klala, if anyone can hurt you, maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's about that it signs a spotlight. But either way, it arouses the rebbeinu shalaylam to either give me, you know, to give me less than I have now. A kind of a klala. However, you understand how klalas, you know, how klalas work. Reb Dessler has an entirely different approach in a letter um, to a Talmud who asked him about how does you know ayin hara work. So Reb Dessler writes, which is the most, uh, you know, will, will resonate the most with us. Um, well, at least I speak for myself, but Rav Dessler writes in Nathan Melio, what it means is, when I, uh, you know, am, am ostentatious, when I, uh, you know, flash, uh, th- th- that a was bestowed upon me, so then I'm creating a situation of jealousy, and I have caused you, therefore, uh, to be, you know, to be jealous of me. So, in a certain sense, I'm responsible for making you jealous, because, you know, I, I wasn't as discreet as perhaps, um, you know, I should have been. And therefore, um, I am, you know, deserving to be punished because I made you feel bad or feel inferior about that which uh, you had, right? So if that's over here, if you're jealous of your friend, that's your problem. But sometimes it's not really the case because if someone is, uh, you know, is, uh, is promoting or, or, you know, or, 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 or you know, displaying everything that they have, when a person encourages, you know, uh, other people to be jealous of him by flashing around everything that he has, so then um, he, in a certain sense, is responsible for it. And I think that's how the Rambam understood Ayn Haram. That's why the Rambam says, he rejects the notion that if I'm growing produce in my field, I need a wall, you know, to protect it from people watching it and saying, you know, why does this guy have so much produce in his field and I don't have so much in my field? Because it's only when a person goes out of his way to be ostentatious. But if I'm just going about my business, I'm growing, and my produce is growing, and I'm not going out of my way to, uh, you know, walk through the market with it and say, look what I have. I'm just growing in my field. What do you want from me? So then the Rambam, you know, kind of rejected Ayin Hara beyond that circumstance. If I'm living in my own Daudamas and living my life and not trying to impress anyone with the things that I have, then the Rambam feels Ayin Hara really has no place. Ayin Hara really, beyond that is just me, this Chassidus, says the Rambam, and we'll explain what that Chassidus is all about, but, 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 the Rambam feels that this is the basis of what, what Ayin Hara is, and therefore if I'm just doing normal things, you know, then Ayin Hara should really not apply to me. And I think that perhaps that's, uh, we can find support for the Rambam from the Gemara in Mesechus Bar-Metziah. Look back, Oisir Aleph, the Gemara says in Bar-Metziah that um, Yosef was protected from the Ayin Hara. As the Pasuk says in the Birchus Yaakov, Ben Paras, Yosef Ben Paras Ale Ayin, uh, that Yosef had the ability, the vineyard of Yosef should be uh, he was above, says the Gemara, you should read it, above the eye. He was impervious um, to the Ayin Hara. That's why he's blessed by Yaakov Avinu as being compared to Dagim. Um, 
So Pasuk says, uh, Just like the fish are protected from the Ayin Harah, Yosef should be protected from the Ayin Harah. How did Yosef get this? Zuchos? So Rashi writes in Parashas Vayishlach that it's because when Yaakov went to meet Esav, uh, so first the mothers came and then the children followed behind them, Yosef stood in front of his mother in order to protect her from the vision of Esav. He shouldn't be you know, tempted to marry his mother, Rachel. And from the fact that he protected Rachel, from the eyesight of Esau, he well, you know, created a certain kind of protective bubble for himself, that he is protected from harmful eyesight from, you know, from, the, from the Ayin Harah, because he protected his mother from the eyesight of Esau. But how do we know that Yosef is protected from the Ayin Harah? Because of his comparison to the fish. The fish, Yosef has some kind of you know, supernatural protection from the Ayin Harah, and his descendants you know, follow in his footsteps. But what is the, why is the fish protected from the Ayin Harah? The Gemara assumes that that's a given. Fish are protected from the Ayin Hara. Why should fish be protected from the Ayin Hara? So it could be it's because fish are just going about their business under the sea. They're not, they're not trying to impress anyone. Even if you see a whole school of fish underneath the ocean, you say, wow, look at all these fish. If you go scuba diving something, you see these things. Look at all these fish. Why are they so, there's so many fish in the sea, right? As the saying goes in Chidochim. There's literally so many fish in the sea. Why do they get to have this kind of, you know, success? The answer is because they're just going about their business. They're trying to impress anyone. They're swimming around in their own Dalai Lamas. Leave them alone. So when a person is just going about their business and he's not trying to impress anyone, another rabbit, he goes to a certain, you know, he takes certain steps to conceal that which he has, not trying to be ostentatious. So then he's pretty, the Ayn Hara really has no, no, no traction with regards to this individual. I think that's what Rashi might mean in Parashas Balak too. Look over here, Oisya Tess. The Pasuk says, Bilam tried to curse Kal Yisrael. He tried to curse Klal Yisrael, but then he saw Sheikh and the Shvatav, that they were dwelling according to their Shvatav. Rashi says, what does it mean? <laughs> that their doors were not opened adjacent or opposite their neighbor. No one's door opened up opposite you know, uh, their neighbor such that one could see into the house of someone else. So everyone's door opened up a different direction. Once that, Bilam saw that, he knew he couldn't curse Klal Yisrael. Why couldn't he curse Klal Yisrael? Just because their doors didn't open up towards other people. So I think the answer is because they were trying to be discreet. If I looked into his house and I walked around the corner and I looked in his house and I saw, wow, what does this guy deserve such a beautiful house for? Some of the, uh, the, all the wonderful things he has in his house. Then that's my fault. I went out of my way to see what this fellow has. But he tried to conceal with it. He was trying to be discreet. And if a person is just going about living his life, the Ramah feels, I'm not being over jealousy. I'm not you know, encouraging you to be jealous of me. I'm not flashing that which I have. So then the Ramah feels, I'm just going about my life. I'm growing produce in my field. Why should I have to build a wall to prevent other people from looking at my field? I'm just, I'm just doing my, I'm minding my own business. Then Ayin Hara really has no place. And that's why the Ramah rejected that stream of thought within Ayin Hara. However, to be sure, um, this is the minority view. That's, there's no doubt about it. The Rambam is the outlier. In viewing, I, I think this is how the Ram understood Ayn Hara, like the Mechdom Elio, that it's, I'm a Uyur jealousy by you, and therefore I'm deserving a punishment. The mainstream view of Ayn Hara is much more mystical. And that is, uh, as the Abar Benel writes over here, the Abar Benel writes, when a person you know, gives someone else an Ayn Hara, they're kind of like laser beams that come out of his eye, spiritual laser beams that come out of his eye and can harm other people. Oh. Says the Abarbanel over here. Uh, and I can somehow harm you with these kind of laser beams that come out of my eye. Unless you think this is just the Abarbanel. There's mamish hamoin mar mekoymis. There's so many mar mekoymis that espouse this perspective. Ayin hara. Rabbeinu Yoyna writes in on Mishnah 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 that three things remove a person from this world. One of them is Ayin hara. Says Rabbeinu Yoyna. 
uh, person who's not happy with that which he has and he sees someone else has more, um, when he sees that, so then his um, thoughts get focused in his eyes and he can burn everything that is in, um, that is in, his, uh, that is in his path. Perhaps that's why, Rav Chaim Vital says, that's why the fish are protected from Ayin Hara, because they're underneath the water. There's a mechitza hamafsik between the eyes and this spiritual laser beams that come out of the eyes and the fish underneath the water because there's a mechitza. Even if you go underneath the water, there's water in between you. So that's why the fish are protected from the Ayin Hara because there's something in between. But this is the, the classical approach to Ayin Hara. When I'm jealous of you, justifiably or not justifiably, I can harm you. By um, by simply looking at you askance and you know kind of begrudgingly. That means that no say. No. So this is a spiritual power that exists within the world, like other kaiches that exist in the world. Yes, it seems like this this power is is one of the kaiches that exist in the world. So other people, there are those that reject this and say, no, no, that was just what society thought at the time. And in fact, this is a very popular notion in many cultures, other than Yiddishkeit, the notion of an ayin hara. Uh, you could just, uh, you know, look, look it up online. You'll see every culture has some sort of variation of Ayin Hara. Now, that could undermine the legitimacy of our perspective of Ayin Hara. We were just echoing that which already existed within the world, reverberating around different cultures. Or, and what I think is more compelling, the very fact that other cultures have a notion of Ayin Hara only reinforces the fact that this exists within the world. The reason why so many cultures believe in it is because this is a Kayach. They've all seen that this is a Kayach, that a Kodesh Baruch implanted, a spiritual Kayach, a Kodesh Baruch implanted in the world, that people can you know, elicit some kind of response to the way that they look at others. Mashalom you know, is the flood, is the, you know, the, the Mabo. So many cultures that have a flood uh, story. So some say, well, that undermines the legitimacy of the biblical story of the flood, of the Mabo, because look around. It was just uh, writing down you know, a, a, a tradition that many cultures had. You could take that perspective, the, you know, the, the pessimistic view. I think just the opposite. The very fact that so many cultures have a flood story only reinforces, right, it, it bolsters our flood story, because if the flood happened, it would probably be something other people would write about, not just the Jewish people wouldn't just appear in the Torah. So, it, it, you know, Adarabba, it reinforces the fact that this exists. So much so, the Torah Tamima has a sefer from Chumash called Tosefes Bracha, other than the Torah Tamima. So in that sefer from Parashas Balak, he cites there a Russian study that was done in the 18, 1881. It was not published in a respectable journal. It seems like it was a tabloid in the 1880s. He cites it. You can find the article. It exists. It was cited by later studies in the 30s. It literally really exists. Of uh, uh, they used to have prisoners. They were on death row, and they were permitted to do medical tests on the prisoners in Russia. <laughs> Not surprising. And um, they took one of the prisoners on death row, and they starved him for three days. I guess they gave him water. Then they put in the room where he couldn't reach a loaf of bread, and they left it there for the day. They came back at the end of the day, they cut open the loaf of bread, and they saw that there was poison. The bread was poison. They tested it in the laboratory. They saw that the bread was poisonous, meaning it was a normal loaf of bread. But through him looking at it, you know, desiring, why don't I have that loaf of bread that I'm entitled to, he was able to create a kind of poison that existed in this loaf of bread. So there are many, you know, whether it's scientifically verifiable or not, really doesn't interest me, but, but there is some spiritual kayak. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Is this within the world that, you know, of, of Ayin Hara? It's interesting, um, you know, and this is the other perspective, other than the Rambam. How, how do we kind of paskin, you know, so to speak, on this issue? So it's interesting, Ramayusha has a chuvah about Ayin Hara. Ramayusha says, quotes the Gemara, Masech, talking about zugois, right, pairs, you shouldn't do things in pairs. So the Gemara says, man de 
Kapdinu Badei, Mandela Kapi, look, Kapdinu Badei. When it comes to Zugois doing things in pairs, that we try not to do that. Umar says, if you're careful about this, meaning if it means something to you, if you believe in, you know, fairies and Zugois, then it means something to you. If you don't believe in it, it doesn't do anything for you. It, it can't harm you. So Moshe says the same is true with regards to Ayin Hara. If you don't care about it, it can't affect you. So they asked Subchaim Kenevsky about this in a sefer called Ayin Hara Be'en Hayadus. You'd be surprised with how much literature there is on Ayin Hara. But over here, Oishavhei, they asked Subchaim Kenevsky, is this true? Is this true that, that, uh, that, uh, that we apply the same rule of Zugos? The Gemara has himself in regards to Zugos. If you care about it, it can apply to you. If you don't care about it, it can't harm you. To Ayin Hara, Chaim Kenevsky said, no, ain't Shaykh Ayin Hara, lo Shamati Einonachon. This is not true. It's not, it's not correct. But what was Ramesh trying to say? The whole thing of Ayin Hara, every Gemara that's discussing Ayin Hara, is only if you care about it, is only if you believe in it. If you don't believe in it, it can't harm you. So I think what Ramesh is saying, and he goes on to say it explicitly, this, this is what he means, and he's espousing the view of the Rambam, which is that if I'm just doing my normal things, the idea of an Ayin Hara, of a spiritual Kayach in the world that emits from the eyes and can cause harm in someone else, whether they're deserving or not deserving, so that, that's what the Rambam describes as Midas Chasidus. The Rambam knew about that. He knew what was the pervasive view, uh, the prevalent, you know, the, the prevailing view. So, but the Rambam says, that's Midas Chasidus. What is the real Ayin Hara that he's concerned about? A person who's flashy and encourages other people to be jealous of him. Now you have something to worry about. But if I'm just going about leading my life, I'm planting my field, the guy's giving, you know, he's doing normal things in life, and he's not trying um, to encourage others to, you know, to flash around, to impress other people with that which he has, that's where Amaisha says, you're just doing your thing. So that kind of ayin hara, that's where, mandi kapit kapit, mandi kapit kapit. If, you know, if this speaks to you, then it's something, then it's similar to Zugais. This kind of spiritual power that it's from the eyes, that is similar to Zugais. What is the Ayn Hara that the Gemara is concerned about is a person who could be a little bit more private and is not. He could be a little bit more discreet and he's not. Well, that kind of Ayn Hara, the Ramah believed in that kind of Ayn Hara. You know, Ramesh, of course, would never say is only if you care about it. If you don't care about it, you can be as ostentatious as you like. That's what Ramesh didn't mean. What Ramesh meant is, you know, and he quotes the Rambam, is those things that go above and beyond it. I'm just leading my life and I'm concerned with Ayn Hara. That's that mandel kapit kapit mandel loy kapit loy kapit. Like people ask me all the time, a pregnant woman going to a, a levaya. There's two men hugging. Can a pregnant woman go to a levaya? Why? Because I ain't hara. I guess uh, birth is cycle of life. All all there. So there's two men hugging. What's right or wrong? There is no right or wrong. If you have a tr- strong family tradition, which I don't believe most people have a strong family tradition on this, people googled online and they saw there's such a he Indian, so now they're scared about it. So, so if you mind the cup, it cup it. If you're if you're scared, you're scared. <laughs> so then I, I'm not going to tell you not to be scared. If you're not scared, I'm not going to tell you to be scared. And those kinds of inyanim, I'm just leading my life. I'm going to live. I'm trying to do a mitzvah. So then, those kinds of inyanim are above and beyond. But uh, that, that's where the you know where Moshe meant mind the cup, it cup, mind the way cup, it cup. But in general, uh, you know, the, 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 we have to distinguish between these two kinds of, of ayin hara. When I am a little bit more ostentatious, when I'm just you know leading my life and kind of you know I could uh, if someone else could could harm me. That's uh, that's that's something else. But the, the main topic that interests people is can you remove ayin hara if there is the spiritual power. You know, can you do something to remove it? So just interesting, Mar Mekaimis. The Gemara says over here in Brochus that if you put one thumb, if you're, man, the Gemara says, You're scared of an ayin hara. What should you do? Take one thumb, because the thumb represents Klaus Yisrael, separate from the other fingers. You take one thumb, you put it in the other, in one palm, you put the other thumb in the other palm. The palm is a whole, a whole union too. And you take the, the Ben Yishchai over here and the Ben Yoyo that explains all the, uh, the meaning over here. Take one thumb, put it in one palm, one thumb, put it in the other palm, like this. And you say the Pasuk, Ben Paras Yosef, Ben Paras Aliyayin. 
the Gemara, the Gemara already endorses that there are certain kinds of schoolers that can remove uh, an ayin hara. The Ben Ishkai says if a person wears a fish, fish are protected by ayin hara. So it's an Indian to wear things having to do with fish. Maybe dafka the scales, the snapir, because the snapir is gematria 400, gematria ayin, ayin ra. Okay, they need to wear fish. The famous ones, though, uh, over here, are the Reishas Chachma. The Reishas Chachma is the 16th, uh, 17th century. Talmud of Ramosha Kodavera, who was the, one of the Talmudim of Rav Chaim Vital, the Talmud from the school of the Ariya Kodesh. So he says, if a person mentions something good that someone else has, what you should do is, off, that's a kind of a klala, what you should do is offer a tefillah and say, B'li Ayin Hara. That's a tefillah. No, it should be no Ayin Hara, you should be protected from Ayin Hara. They say in Yiddish, Kenayin Hara, or Kenayin Hara, which means that you should be protected, you know, from the Ayin Hara. Many people are familiar with the symbol of the Chamsa, which is the upside-down kind of a hand that has five uh, fingers. So that has its source in the Yaakov Ruveni, which, again, is from the 17th century, a collection of, uh, of, uh, of stuff from the Kubalim, that the letter He is somehow a protection from the Ayin Hara. Many things, you know, are related to, to the letter He. And for example, Birchus Kainim, Rabbi Aaron knows, you're supposed to create uh, five spaces between these two fingers and these two fingers and these two fingers and the thumb, between the two thumbs, that's three. These the thumb and these two fingers, these two fingers and these two fingers, four or five. You're supposed to have five spaces in between the fingers. That's how some sort of a protection from Ayin Hara. When Yaakov Avinu went to visit Esav, he brought him five Zacharim, five Nekevis. Five is somehow a protection. Five Zacharim of animals, five Nekevis. Um, is somehow a protection from the Ayin Hara. So maybe the number five and the upside down fingers of the hand is somehow uh, you know, a protection from the Ayin Hara. But you know what? If you'd ask me, the best protection from the Ayin Hara, this is without a doubt, Lukuli Alma. It's for a person to do Torah and mitzvahs, for sure. They, the tzitzis is a protection from the Ayin Hara, Torah and mitzvahs is a protection from the Ayin Hara, Tefillah, Shiramah, Tehillim, all these things are the best schoolers from Ayin Hara, but above and beyond, is a person to conduct himself in his outward presentation, you know, in the way that he describes himself, in the way that he you know, feels about himself, a person who walks throughout life with humility and in discreet fashion, of course, is the best protection of Ayin Hara. Uh, <laughs>